If you'll open up your Bibles to John 13, we're going to get rolling right away. And uh, God's Word, the Bible, is God's Word to us. So John 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover. Now the Passover was a meal that started in Egypt when God brought the children of Israel out and they sacrificed the lamb, put the blood over their doors, it protected them. Then that meal gave them strength to go forward. And so we see here that Jesus, this is the time right before Jesus died because he was going to then die as the new lamb that was slain for the world. And so this is just right, I mean, days before he leaves the earth. So it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father or go to the Father. Those statements are huge. Leaving the earth, going to the Father. Because from here on, in the 13th chapter, the 14th chapter, the 15th chapter, the 16th chapter, and really little bits in the 17th chapter, and then he's taken as a prisoner, and then he's offered up, he uses those statements about departing, going to be with the Father. But this begins something that all the church should know. In other words, we see in the epistles, the letters later on, ways to act, things we're supposed to do as believers. But this, from this point on, he's going to tell people how you're supposed to act when I leave. That would be right now. How you're supposed to function. How you're supposed to do things. This would solve many problems that the church world has had over the years if they would just look at these chapters right here. You with me? If they would look at these chapters, problems would be solved right from the master's mouth. Because remember this, and this is important, though we're reading the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th chapter and looking at things, these are just the last day or two before the Lord dies and gives up his life or is actually taken prisoner and so on. So he's no longer doing any earthly ministry per se. You know what I mean? Going to the multitudes, going from village to village, town to town. He's no longer doing that, though he is doing ministry because he is teaching the disciples and trying to set things in order as he leaves. And knowing he was departing, this is a huge transition time, and he's kind of giving the final instructions as he is departing. And what we realize is, one, Jesus is ending his earthly walk right here. And the next thing we know is he's about to pay the price of redemption or to get man back to God. And he's also about to be raised to heaven to start a new ministry, which has been in existence for a couple thousand years, which is his high priest ministry. In other words, the priests in the earth were an example of how it's going to be in the future, how Jesus is going to be our go-between. 
how he's going to represent us before God. And so he's about to start this. And then another thing that's all starting right here in this transition is what we know as the church age is about to start. In other words, what has been in existence since the time, you know, the day of Pentecost when he rose and then poured out his spirit, what we know as the church or believers once they get saved becoming the body of Christ, the church, is now in existence or about to be in existence. It's now in existence today. So all this is transitioning right now, and so he's teaching different things. So we've looked at how he was leaving, and he had 12 people. There was a gap at the top, and before he had left, they're like, we want to have this high place. We want to sit at your right hand. We want this position. And he said, listen, if you want to be great in the kingdom, first thing he said, you got to serve. You can't try and promote yourself. If you exalt yourself, you'll be brought down. If you lower yourself because your motives are right, I'll lift you up. And he said, if you want to be great, you serve everybody. Well, that was to fix some problems because how many people jockey for position today? And we'll work to push people down in the church, hopefully not, but even in the world. And so we see he said that. Then he said, hey, you have to submit to me if you want to be clean. And then we went on and talked about his love and how that the mark of a disciplined follower of the Lord is our love walk. How we treat family, friends, one another. And then we went on and looked at some other things. Today, we're going to go to the 14th chapter and the 12th, 13th, and 14th verse. A familiar set of scriptures, if you've read the Bible, because these ones sure stand out. There's nobody who can read the Bible honestly, pass over these scriptures and say, uh, we just didn't hit a speed bump right there, you know, going pretty fast. You know, if you read over these, even though they're three, you ever been going through a parking lot? And there was like what you'd call a healthy speed bump. Not the kind you can just roll over and it's whatever. And your car is like, bam, bam, bam. You're like, whoa. And you're wondering if everything's okay. You know what I'm talking about? You read through these verses of scripture right here. And they're just stuck right here. And I'm telling you what, they're like a speed bump. They make you go, whoa. Because this right here, to me, is something that, kind of is challenging. Most assuredly, verse 12, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Doesn't that make your car jump a little bit like a speed bump? Hey, if you believe in me, the works I do, you'll do and greater works than these you will do. But notice the next part, because I go to my Father. Remember, that was that same type of statement in the 13th chapter. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, or whatever you command, or literally call for is how the Greek reads, whatever you call for in my name, he said, that I will do because or that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything or call for anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that 
could seem like, whoa, hey, we need to get going here. But in one sense, there are several things that I think are important. One, the statement he said, I have to go to the Father in order for these to start. Not all of them, but the greater one. Because I go to my Father, you're going to be able to do, and notice it didn't say a greater work, it said greater works than these because I go to my Father. Because I go to my Father. So if you've heard different things, maybe you've heard what I'm about to say, maybe you haven't. But what are the greater works than he did? These are greater works than he did. Not, he said the same, but greater. And do you know that you could purpose to start doing this in your life today and start doing greater works than Jesus ever did? Without much challenge. Maybe some emotional challenge. But see, I know this right now, everybody's processing this different. So some people are like, cool, let's go raise the dead. You know, or some people are thinking, let's go walk on water. But those were works he did. These are greater than that. Greater works. Thank God it's Labor Day weekend. It's work weekend, right? And we're talking about the greater works. Right? Most assuredly, he's basically saying this is absolutely a fact. How many of you would like to do not just the same works, greater works? No, I mean, if you really could, would you want to do greater works than him? He, and here's the thing. He said you can and would do them. And I'm going to talk about two of them that were greater. Everybody ready? So, <laughs> you ready? So here's the first greater work. Remember the phrase, because I go to my Father. How did he get to the Father? Let me ask you that. He died, then he was raised, then God raised him up into heaven, and so he died and he rose. Would you agree? Would everybody agree with that? So he said, when I go to my Father, then you can start doing this greater work. And it's a work that he had never done. So here we go. Romans 10 explains this first greater work that Jesus never did while he was on the earth. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Romans 10th, chapter 9th and 10th verse. Now this is important because this is a work we should do and we should do it in great commodity. We should be conscious of it. It's a greater work than he did. Notice verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says... 
whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? In other words, if you haven't believed, how can you call? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So basically, he's giving you a pattern. The way to believe is to hear. And he said, and how shall they hear without a preacher or somebody proclaiming? And then, how shall they proclaim unless they are sent? And then it goes on to say some other things. Now, didn't Jesus send the whole church to the world? And what did he send us to do? Well, first and foremost, to share the good news so people could believe and people could be saved, whoever would call on his name. Now, this is a greater work. Is there anything greater for humanity than being saved? Your ankle's messed up. I need healing. You can get healed and still die and go to hell. So wouldn't it be greater to be saved than to be healed? Right? You say, yeah, but I need a miracle of healing. Just like when Jesus commanded and said, Peter, go let down, you know, or throw in a hook. And the first fish you catch, there will be a coin in his mouth. You go down and do that, and it will pay your taxes and my taxes. He goes down and he does it. Which would be better, having a financial miracle or going to heaven? Going to heaven. So the only way you get there is through salvation. So notice this phrase, though, back in verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus as Lord, and notice this phrase, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus could never do that miracle. Jesus could never get anybody saved while he was on the earth. Why? He hadn't died, and he hadn't risen. And you have to believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth. Well, how can you believe it if it hasn't even happened yet? Would you agree? And if you don't, you need to, because it's true. How could you believe he died and rose again if he had not died and rose again? You could believe he's going to, but you couldn't believe he has, right? In other words, the disciples could have been well-informed and said, okay, we believe you're going to die, and they didn't even know all this, rightly. We know you're going to die and we know you're going to rise again. But he didn't say, believe he's going to die and rise from the dead. But believe that he has died and he did or God raised him from the dead. And we know where he went. So the first greater miracle or greater work would have to be salvation. 
And we know there is no other name given among men. We know in Acts, the fourth chapter, given to men or under earth, whereby they can be saved. You can't be saved by works. You can't be saved by who you know. You can only be saved by calling on the name of the Lord. And he said, how can they call unless somebody tells them? So that means humanity is directly involved in this greater work by proclaiming the gospel. We know this verse in, in 2 Corinthians 4. It said, who, God who spoke words and light came in the dark, right? We know that. He said, light be, and light came, and order came in the earth. Now think about it. He said, who has spoken or brought the light of the truth into our hearts? What happens when you hear the gospel? Light comes. The ability to believe comes, and then you can call and be saved. Well, man has the sole responsibility of sharing Jesus to the world. So many people have gotten so caught up and said, well, I'm looking for the greater works. I want to do the greater works. The ones who reach the lost and tell the world are doing the greater work, the work that Jesus never did. You with me? Because he died and rose again, then that work began. Right? Because I don't know about you, but it seems pretty plain here in Romans 10 that you have to believe he did raise, well, so then he could have never done that on the earth. See, he wasn't the sinless, spotless lamb that took away the sin of the world until he died and rose from the dead. So you think about it, how profound this work is that he left and left this solely up to humanity to share with other people. And if humanity will be affected, it will only be affected this way through us. And it truly is a greater work than anything Jesus ever did. Multiplying loaves and fish, that would have been pretty cool to see. Sit there and we're just boom, 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 boom. You know, thousands of people fed with a little boy's lunch. That would have been great. Watching Jesus walk on the water, that would have been great. It would have been awesome. See somebody, you know, with their hand crippled, just, you know, straighten up. Or, you know, a dead child rise from the dead. I mean, all these different things they got to see. And then Jesus, in this transition time, says, uh, the works that I do, you can do. And greater works than these. So greater is greater. So if it was greater than the ones he did, it superseded the ones he did. Because he didn't say it's going to be one that's going to supersede. It's going to be works, greater works that will supersede what I've done. So in God's eyes, a person who passes from spiritual death to spiritual life is a greater work than any miracle that Jesus performed. Getting somebody set free from the power of the devil, delivering their mind, this is greater. Because 
those people could get free, but if they didn't receive Christ after, would they have eternal life? No. So by order, this is greater. We should maybe put this as a priority in our life. I mean, hey, I'm all for praying for the sick. We prayed for them or people who had issues and whatever today, and we see wonderful things. But the issue is we are the responsible parties to speak the light into the dark, to tell people about Jesus. You with me? The second greater work that, in other words, if it's greater, it's above what he had done. And the second one is this. And remember, it's because he went to the Father that these now exist. Let's read verse 12 again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater. Greater than these. So all the ones you can read about, the ones we're talking about are greater greater than these, he will do because, here's that phrase, because I go unto the Father. What was another work that occurred that Jesus never did? That we are to do and should do on a regular basis. Somebody's like, I want to say, but I don't know if I want to say. But it's good to know. Turn to Acts, the second chapter. This is a work Jesus never did. Salvation, he never got anybody saved. He hadn't paid for it yet. Hadn't paid for it. But once he paid for it, it was available. And those who had died outside of Christ, we know he went and preached to those people in, that were held. And here, this is a work that he tells us we can do. Notice this, Acts 2, 33, and I'm going to say this before I read this, the second work is getting someone who's saved, filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Jesus never did that. Not one of his disciples were filled and spoke in tongues till after he died and rose again from the dead. Not one of them. Not one of them. Not until Acts, the second chapter, after he was caught up, and he said, this is so important, don't go anywhere until you're filled with the Spirit. And then they were all filled and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now notice this in Acts 2.33. He's preaching to this multitude that came running in. They're at this new day, this new transition. Power of God falls. The Spirit of God starts moving. This huge roaring sound like a mighty wind came in and filled where they were at and said divided tongues like fire sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in an unknown tongue. And then people that were all around by the thousands came to see what this is. 
It was like a freight train, and they didn't have freight trains back then. And they came running to this, and they go out onto the street and start preaching to him. And in the middle of his, his message, Peter telling these people, verse 32, we'll start in the 32nd verse. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. In other words, hey guys, us hundred and something that are here, we're witnesses and he's preaching. They've come to hear what's going on and he said, we're witnesses and they're saying, listen, Jesus rose from the dead. We saw it. This noise, this fire, this strange language business, this all occurred because of Jesus. So he's preaching the gospel, but he's making some similar statements that Jesus did. The works that I do, you will do, and greater works because I go to my father. Once I go to my father, people can get saved. Once I go to my father, I'm going to do a step further so people can get filled with the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Now there, right here in verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up which we are all witnesses. Verse 33, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God. You could say it like this. He died, he rose, he's at the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you see and hear. How did this begin to occur? This couldn't have occurred before Jesus left. Because he said, these greater works will occur because I'm going to my father. And here he gives the story behind it. He said, now remember, this is not a long period of time, you know, 50 days or so between the time Jesus said that in John 14 and we read this in Acts 2. So maybe it was fresh in his mind, you know, because I go to my father, people will be able to get saved. Because I go to my father, you know, I'm paying the price. Salvation will be readily available. And believers can not only have the Holy Spirit, they can be filled to overflowing and speak in an unknown tongue. And so he's explaining, therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Now go down to verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Get saved and receive the Holy Spirit. Then notice this, he said, For the promise... What promise is he talking about? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Because notice what it said in verse 34, in case you already forgot. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit. Now go back to verse 39, for the promise, what promise is he talking about? The promise of being filled with power, filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
So how often is this available? From the time he died and rose and poured out his spirit till he returns. He said the promises to all descendants who get saved. All that have received the, the call to repent and receive Christ. He said the promise is to you. The promise is to you. Now notice he didn't say people before, but this started after he died and rose again. So Jesus never, ever did this for anybody while he was on the earth. Did he give authority and power and things like that and forgive sin? Yes, but people weren't made new, and they didn't get filled with the evidence of speaking other tongues. As a matter of fact, if they had already gotten it, he would never have told them in Acts 1, wait for it. Wait for the day that I do this pouring out. Now we don't have to wait. But the issue is, notice this work never occurred till after he died and rose again. Why is that important? Because I go to my father, there are some greater works that you are going to personally be able to get involved with. Personally, you can get somebody saved. You can bring them here, we'll tell them the truth. And they can hear the gospel. You can tell them yourself, get them saved and bring them here, we'll get them filled with the Spirit. Or you can get them saved and filled with the Spirit. And then just bring them here. Any combination works. Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through Acts 19.1, through the upper region, came to Ephesus and finding, what did he find? Disciples, people who were disciplined followers of the Lord. Verse 2, 19.2. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, I thought you just were got the Holy Spirit. Well... Every believer has the Holy Spirit, but there's an issue between being filled and having. Filled to overflowing with speaking in tongues. Notice, he said to them, did you receive, did you receive the Holy Spirit? If there was no option, he wouldn't have brought up an option. Right? If there was an option, would he have brought up the option? No, if there was no option, he would have never brought it up. But because there is, yes, he did. Because it would just be confusing. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Oh, I thought everybody did when they got saved. Well, all that would bring was confusion. So when people are saved, the Holy Spirit does come to live in them, but there's a difference between having them in and being filled to overflowing. So notice what he said. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. But these are disciples. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? In other words, if you were baptized in the name of Jesus according to the way 
he said in Matthew 28, you would have heard there's a Holy Spirit in the name of the Father, the Son, and that's it. No, in the Holy Spirit. You would have known. You would have heard. So what were you baptized into? Well, they were still, people were still baptizing in John's baptism, which was one waiting for Christ to come. And he said, waiting for the Savior. And they said, uh, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism, verse 4. Then Paul said, indeed, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. In other words, his was a baptism that wasn't supposed to last forever. It was to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. That was supposed to be gone. But notice this. But when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But then notice this. And, 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 so they got baptized the right way. Then, or you could say in the authority of the name of Jesus, and, verse 6, and when he had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. That was a work that never happened. In Acts 8, we see a similar thing happen. Philip's down there preaching. The city of Samaria turns to the Lord, and then they go send to the elders of the church in Jerusalem, and Peter and John went down, and started laying hands on them that they might receive or be filled with the Holy Spirit. So these are two greater works. Go back to John 14. Greater works than these. So these what? The only these we can look at are things that are already there. Would you agree? In other words, if I said, I want you to look at these two pieces of paper. Look at these. These are here. If I said these, you'd go, well, I don't see anything. Well, because they're not here. So these works that he did were the works he had already done. And then were any of these ever done by him? And the answer to that is absolutely no. And so he counts these both greater than the other works he did. Why? Because through these channels you become saved, or a person gets saved, gets a new birth, and then gets filled with power to do the other works, and to be filled with the Spirit, and, and to know things, and to be able to pray different ways, and there's a greater dimension. Now, can you be saved and go to heaven without being filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Sure. You can go to heaven and not experience many of the things God told us He wanted for our lives if you just get saved. Right? But He called these greater works. So here in John 14, when he said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works than these. 
he will do because I go to my Father. This is a transition verse of future ministry. And here is the thing. If it's not popular today, that doesn't mean it's not right. Right? Sharing Jesus may not be popular, but it's right. And it's a greater work that he said, I want you to be involved in this. And really, I've never done this, but you can do it. And really, if it's going to be done, it's going to be on us. Then he said, and here's another one, get people filled with the Spirit, a greater work. And I know this, if we will take steps to do this with people, God will back us up. Because notice the phrase right at the end, or verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. 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 You could say it like this. If you ask or call or proclaim in my name, I will get involved and make it good. Right? I'll do it. I'll get involved. Jesus left and said, if you will use my name, now there are other works we can use our name, but we're still talking about these two greater works. How do you get saved? Hopefully we remember those verses. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess Jesus as your Lord. You declare his name. And here he said, what did he say? He said, and whatever you call for is one way the Greek reads. You can look it up. And whatever you call for in my name, I will do it or I will get involved and make it good. So if I preach the gospel, Jesus, I can be assured that he will get involved. And notice There's that name. Call on him and you can be saved, right? Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. How hard is that? I mean, it's not like the Lord asks you to do something hard. Believe and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You can't save yourself, so he said, I'll do it. You can't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Notice what he said in Mark 16. This is after the verses we read. This is after he died and rose again. He kind of gave a little condensed version of performing miracles, taking authority over the devil, getting people healed. But notice in Mark 16, which is real interesting, how he started this. He said, verse 15, And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They need to know the good news. He who believes in me and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So the believing is the key. Notice, 
and these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will. In my name, they will. In my name, how? Through the name of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, in that day, I'll personally get involved when you start invoking my name for salvation, for getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there are other things, too, which we'll look at next week. But notice this, in my name, they will cast out devils, or you could say this, exercise dominion over the enemy. And you have a right to resist him through the name of Jesus. Period. You start feeling heavy and blue, watch what you're thinking on, but resist him. Make him leave you. He has to. Just like we are the responsible party to get people saved, God's not coming down here saved. Jesus isn't coming back to save people. He's coming back to get the ones who are saved. Whoever got them saved? Well, if we do, we're part of the bunch that did. But think about it. He's coming back for the saved, not to go preach to them and go, hey, guys, how many of you want to receive me? I died and I rose again. Everybody seeing him in the clouds is going to go, oh, I'm on board. Then there's no believing that's all seeing, right? So he's coming back for these people. So he left before it started, and he's coming back after it's all finished. And guess who's here? Not him. Us. Now, we know he's here by his spirit, but you, you know what I'm talking about. We're here to do that work. And he said, in these signs will follow those who believe in my name. In other words, if it's going to happen and you're going to get peace, you're going to have to resist the enemy for yourself. And you can do it. Isn't it interesting? The first thing he said, you could use my name. Why? Because his name is above all this, and you can make him stop. And if you just say, oh, God, please, he ain't going to stop that way. You're going to have to say, in Jesus' name. But notice the very next thing he said would occur in his name. In my name they will cast out devils. In my name they will speak with new tongues. No wonder the Bible said Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now he's not here to do it. But if I invoke his name, I will personally get involved and work with you. These are two greater works that are easily obtainable. Easily obtainable. Wonder if we put our priority on the wrong thing. Like, well, we just need God's presence. Or we need, we, we need this, or we need that. When two greater works are easily attainable for every believer. Easy. I've prayed for people at the store not only to get saved, but people to get filled with the Spirit. Easy, not hard. The issue is, do we take the step? Interesting thought, isn't it? Because they are greater. We'll talk about the other works next week. But how? think about it. Because I know people have said, 
well, you know, let's skip the greater works. Let's just focus on the works he did. No, he brought these up and he mentioned it first, greater works, the works I do and greater works. Well, if, if he mentioned these greater works, actually they're works that we shouldn't uh, skip to. They should be all part of the package. You excited to hear that? I am. Tweaks your priorities, right? 